Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. Episode number 70. Well, we're going to be at 100 really quick. Super exciting. I think, uh, Thais, end of, the, end of the year or end of next year, what'd you say? Yeah, I think around the beginning of the new year. Oh my gosh, that so soon? Oh my yeah. How many episodes do we do in a month anyway? I'm just kidding. A lot. Well, a lot. A lot. <laughs> and Jackie and Thais are here, just so we know. Yay! Like, Hi, everyone. Four. Four of Hello. us here. Yeah, all here, minus a few. I know we should. I don't. That would be crazy if we had everyone on. That might be. No one will know when to talk. Hey, <laughs> since I no longer edit the podcast myself, I'm bring it on. More than bring it on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's fall time finally. Uh, I've had a, my own fair share of pumpkin spice lattes, but at 90 degrees here in Ohio, it's never felt like it. So yeah, finally celebrating the real fall weather approaching. I know. Well, you're we going to be coming uh, up in November. Yeah. yeah I, 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 do I need to buy a jacket? You think, do I need to like have <laughs> no, jeans? I've got some jackets shoes? for you. No. Jeans. Yes. Okay. I know Kevin, you in Ohio, me in Pennsylvania. I feel like it could be so hit or miss when you're thinking about November and December. We've had some 80 degree days. I mean, yep. I, I feel like thinking about fall the last couple weeks, even here, it's freezing cold in the morning. And then you don't know what to wear in the day because then it's, like you said, 90 in the afternoon. So Yeah, I remember living in Pittsburgh that we would have some days where the, the low to the high, the swing in temperature would be 45 degrees. Yep. And that's pretty, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a shock. Yep. Jealous. All right. Well, let's dive in. We've got a packed episode, a lot of ground to cover, as they say. So... Andrew, you want to kick us off with story yeah. time this week? Yeah, let's kick it off. This is a good one. I might start putting more questions as my stories because Ooh. I typically get these more technical questions. Oh, questions from uh, other people. Got yeah, it. questions from other people. And I think they, well, they're, they're, it's a good story too, but it's, you know, might be something that quickly like, oh, that's a good takeaway. So I'll read this question. I changed it up a little bit to, uh, to make sure Protect anyone's the listening, they don't know who it is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the question is, this community needs a lift XYZ. So another traffic source is not performing well. We're considering shifting more money to Facebook. Do you think we have more room? What are your thoughts? So I'm like, okay, let's do this. So my personal thought on this is like, don't commit to a big, like, hey, let's add another thousand per month. Like just change it for a couple of days and see what happens. And you don't have to have this big long discussion if this works in your organization of like, hey, we need another thousand dollars without knowing like the result. If so if you can run say any other 100 or $200 for a couple of days. And then you could have the data on like, oh, look, that, that was awesome. Our cost per lead stayed the same from Facebook. And we should you know, keep this going for the, for the whole month. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that, that short easy. of a time period, you're not going to see necessarily appointments or sales no. results if you do a two or three day yeah. test. But And this would just be for a launch. I should have really clarified that just for a launch situation. So when you're getting just coming soon, just come in soon leads real very quickly because you're getting yes. leads every day. You should be mm-hmm. if you have it set up right. So you can very quickly go like, oh, cool. In two days, our cost per lead stayed the same. We're getting twice as much as we had before or whatever the, the goal was. For something else, yeah, you need a much longer window. Doing something like this, have you seen a certain consistent result or can it be hit or miss? Yeah, that's the hard part because if you, let's say you were spending $1,000 per month, so that'd be $30 per day. And you're like, hey, I just want to double the results, so I will double the budget. The cost per lead typically might actually increase a little bit 
So it's mm-hmm. not the relationship of cost per lead and budget isn't proportionally the same, I think is a way to say it. Like it's not going to, you won't double the budget and keep the cost per lead exactly the same and then mm-hmm. double the leads. So you, that's why I like just feel around and see what, what happens for a couple of days. And then you could make a bigger commitment of, Hey, let's run this for a couple of weeks. Uh, you probably see that a lot that people tend to get in panic mode is... whenever there's any <laughs> type of underperformance. And I mean, I, I can imagine how yeah. easy it is to just want to throw extra money to something. Yeah. Especially on a launch situation where you, you kind of do expect leads mm-hmm. to come in you know, quite quickly. And spend, yeah. if you're running on more than one traffic source, say Google, uh, syndication, so Zillow and Facebook, and you have all three coming in. So you have some risk mitigation of like, okay, if Google's down a little bit today, that's okay. Zillow will take up the slack and then Facebook will take yep. up the slack. But if one of those has been consistently underperforming, mm-hmm. this is where you might go like, hey, let's just shift that budget over to the one that is working. Right. Yeah. yeah. So but fun. understanding it's not going to be, like you said, you're not going to get exponentially more from giving it more necessarily. Sometimes you are because you are yeah, underspending and the previous budget might have been too little, but you were splitting it among three things. And so sometimes you do, but most yeah. of the time it's going to be slightly less efficient, although you will get more total leads. So that's a, another mm-hmm. thing we talked about, I think two weeks ago on the podcast was don't get over obsessed about your conversion rate necessarily because we've seen many instances where the conversion rate will drop slightly but because the total volume to the site is dramatically more, like double or triple, you're still getting way more leads. And you know the, the end result is still a better thing than if you, like, yeah, I, I get to say I have a 4% conversion rate on my site, but the only thing you have is organic and direct traffic and, and no mm-hmm. ads whatsoever. Yep. That's not uh, fun. It's almost yeah. like yep. a bad thing if it's too good because you, yeah. <laughs> you need to make sure you're, you're diversified in your traffic sources. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Sure. And for yeah. the coming soon community, you know, the, the other thing that makes it hard is there's this idiot who wrote this book about how you should be able to pre-sale without fail. <laughs> and so exactly. everyone expects you to sell, you know, 20 homes and it shouldn't be that hard because this guy without fail. Yeah. wrote a book without about fail. it. Absolutely. Just do that. You know, it's pretty, oh, easy by book. the way, the community doesn't launch next week. It launches tomorrow. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, we're changing the price now. And yeah, yeah all this, yeah. Have yep. fun. My story time comes from a conversation from today, uh, ripped from the headlines of talking to someone who was a little frustrated, I think, with management above them. Uh, And they were like, hey, I I don't really, I'm having a hard time getting them to even be able to define what they want from me in terms of consistent reporting or metrics or feedback. And they made the comment, you know, I, I just can't read their mind. And while in this particular situation, that individual does have a lot of gray, muddy, hard to figure out things happening. That so, so it's not just about this person's situation. But I kind of came back with, at the end of the day, though, there are three things that we don't need to be a mind reader about. Like we know what your boss wants from marketing. They want you to constantly be able to answer these three questions or three and a half you know, one, was there enough marketing done to reach our sales goals? Did we actually hit those sales goals or not? And can we do it fairly consistently? Does the engine work and what marketing is producing? Uh, number two would be, do you have enough marketing to get more than enough traffic? Again, not a hard metric or a well-defined metric of what is more than enough mean. It'd be different for everyone, but essentially what your boss or sales leader is looking for is, I want so much overwhelming traffic for this community online or offline or both that I can look the sales rep in the eye and say, 
marketing is not a problem. We quote unquote know that, right? They may not say that. In fact, that's probably yeah. not a good way to coach a frontline salesperson, <laughs> but that's essentially what they want from you. And then the third thing or the three and a half is they want to know what prevented the first two from happening. And then the, the half is, was that an internal roadblock or an external roadblock? So you don't have to be a mind reader, even if even if your boss can't define for you what they want in terms of a specific metric or dashboard or whatever. At the end of the day, they want enough marketing being done well to get the sales goals they need or to provide overwhelming traffic where we know that traffic and marketing is not the issue so they can hold people more accountable. And if those two th first two things don't happen, they want to know why. And they want to know, is it because our website sucks? Is it because our CRM sucks? Is it because what? Tell me. Uh, if it's internal and if it's external, you know, is it the marketplace? Is it that your price is too high and, and marketing should be able to communicate to, to all of those things on a regular basis. So sometimes we make it harder than it needs to be. At the end of the day, I am reading the mind of every uh, business owner and sales leader right now. And I'm telling all the marketers listening, these are the things that they want to hear from you on a regular basis. I love it. Very cool. What do you got That's for like us, Jackie? All right. Well, Steering a little ways over to more of the fun side of story oh, time. I have a funny oh, story. Wait. Uh, we, we, this is not in the show notes. It is in the Market Proof Marketing Group, but Jackie has been the queen of fun. <laughs> um, Jen Barkin, we always talk about it internally, is also our director of fun for, for the company. But Jackie's been the queen of fun in that she found that Zillow listing way before it went completely viral that we shared of the, the guy in the screen mask and all the pictures. Go check that out. So you found something else fun for I us. I did. I did. And it's funny because I actually did not come across this on Facebook like I normally do, but still deals with it. Nonetheless, I was watching the news yesterday, which I try oh, not man. to do right before bed. Let's be honest. There's some <laughs> craziness going on in this world, but there was a CNN exclusive. They had this whole lead up to it. and. It was talking about how the FBI is now running Facebook ads. And it was one of those things where I was doing something and I, I heard FBI, Facebook ads, like both together. And I'm kind of like, wait, am I what? watching the news or Tosh.0, something, you know, goofy. But no, they are literally running Facebook ads right now. And you're probably wondering why. Well, no. they are doing this to, they're designing it to target and recruit Russian spies or any anybody within that that realm who knows about their work. So they're using like subliminal messaging where they have like a perfect example I can say of this post that they have, the sponsored ad. It's a stock photo of a young woman at her graduation with her family and a Russian text overlaid on top saying for your future and the future of your family. And they have it so talking about coming in and basically working together with the FBI. I've never seen anything like this before, personally. And there's a lot of them. They, there's yes. uh, four or five different versions, looks like, on here. Yeah. Yes. And it, it's all about the investigations. And I, it's fascinating to me that they're even... It's just very cool to be able to see that, that this is even used for that. Kind of blows my mind. I think there's... Now, that is strange. What I really want to know is, what is the targeting? Does the article talk at right? all about that in I terms know. of, are they saying like a certain demographic? Or are they just using AI like we would? 
and saying, you figure out who the most likely person. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed at this point now. Yeah. I'm not getting served FBI <laughs> or CIA ads asking me to become an operative because I would be a great one. Just saying. Kevin, I know you're disappointed, but then they do not get into the demographics of it. But then I'd probably be a little worried if it applied to me, if they're trying to target like a Russian spy. Like I, and I was reading through this article and they, it's funny, you know, former CIA agent and CNN intelligence security analyst, they thinking about how these ads are such a great idea and (laughs) they are trying to minimize a threat. And it's interesting to me to think that you know, your Facebook friend, Joe Schmo. I mean, you never know. It's just funny to think they're targeting. They know that these Russian spies are out there on these platforms and very, very interesting. Yeah. I feel like that's the final straw or the uh, the best example. If you talk to a builder or an owner today, who's like, I just don't believe in this Facebook marketing stuff. It's like, even the FBI... <laughs> Even the FBI is using it. I don't know. Is that the the best example or the worst example? But everyone's doing it. And even that, again, as I'm saying out loud, that's not a good argument either. But (laughs) holy smokes, everybody's doing it at the same time. So did the article mention how CNN came across these ads or how? So they didn't. Well, the first, they're talking about how they stumbled across these and it's funny because they talk about how like 99% of them are actually walk-ins and they come in on their own. So huh. I think they're trying to broaden the spectrum to kind of see if 99% are walking in, how much more can they target by putting these out there? Let's see. I am like going through down through these all right now. See, the first thing I think of is, okay, so Facebook is going to track like everyone who like clicks on the button to learn more. Right. And then what, so even if they're not applying, but they're clicking to learn more, like that's a whole set of information okay. right there that someone could do something with. Right. Or you're added to a list. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're, yeah. then you're see more. I'm just sorry to report. I just checked. Uh, the CIA is not running any ads, currently, <laughs> oh, but I am in the ad library. Check right. And uh, FBI is running a lot of ads, actually. Eight different ads. Actively, yeah. Currently. Employment about jobs, right? Yeah. Career, employment, seeking information about suspicious of, packages. Yeah. It looks like they're just trying to gather information and, and using what works. I mean, Very let's be honest. I mean, this is a hub. Have of so many people, uh, and this is this is now I have a new hobby. Um, <laughs> Facebook ad library. The FBI in the <laughs> United FBI States, ads. in the United States, since May of 2018, they've only spent twelve hundred dollars running the ads that they wow. have. Wow, not much, not much. No, but especially when they're trying to minimize a threat to the U.S. They're, they're spending really all new. their money in Russia and other places, which That's makes right. sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thais, what do you, you've got a story? Well, I just, yeah, I was just, I wanted oh, to man. actually give an update on the Halloween house that Zillow listing that uh-huh. Jackie found. Jackie so it's oh. been on Zillow for seven days. And as of today, it has like one, almost 1.5 million views oh, and over 7,300 saves. But I don't know. It's it's for those who don't know. It's it's a home, a single family home in Lansing, Michigan. And in each picture, there's like a person dressed in what is this costume? Oh, this is it fascinating. might be the scream. Yeah, is it the scream? And so the the house itself looks perfectly presentable. However, like in one corner of each photo, there's this person in the scream mask, like in some 
scary pose. But I'm just wondering, you know, for all the views, for all the saves, like, is anything really happening? What purpose is, you know, is this, yeah. is this like, will it yeah, work? Is it, like, is it so gimmicky? I mean, I'm sure that the listing agent here is probably getting a bunch of emails and phone calls about what, you know, he might be able to do for other people. But in terms of the listing itself, I mean, it's still here. It's still here. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll be so curious we know that, to see. Um, the five P's of marketing. So promotion is not, not the issue. You're me to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, this product. is great. Yes. Please. Price. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But yeah, the, I don't yeah. know Michigan, but it's 105,000 for 1,500 feet. Yeah. Sounds like a deal. I mean, I, to <laughs> me, I think of it as if they didn't have that as a push to have it spread like that, because... I feel like a lot of these type of gimmicks, like you don't know what's going to go viral. I feel like at this point, you're just trying for anything. And in comparison, if they just did something normal, like, I don't know, just posting a rant, like the house itself on there, I'm sure it did much better this way, but perhaps we'll see. But it's also going viral all over the country in markets where people probably aren't looking for their Lansing, Michigan. So it's like, So we'll keep our eye on it. I'm curious to see what happens with it. Well, and if you look at the price and tax history data in the Zillow listing too, I mean, the last time that it sold was for $39,000 is what it's showing in 2010 and for $60,000 in 2009. So even if they end up having to negotiate on the price to, to Andrew. So there's two things here. One is at the end of the day, this guy will certainly be able to come back to their client who has the house to sell and say, I have gotten you all the attention on this house Mm -hmm. that could possibly be gotten. And so if the price is out of whack, it needs to come down. Yep. Cause that's one thing, you know, from all my time spent watching HGTV million dollar listing shows is this guy took on the listing at $105,000 and probably knew like it's not worth that much. Mm -hmm. And maybe Ooh. the person who owns this house is like, no, it is. Trust me. If you can just get people to see it. So he's like, all right, I'm going to call you on that. <laughs> but so there's that part of it, which I think is great. And I'm actually less anti this than I am some of the other things that we've talked about because it's not about promoting the agent directly. Yes, they're getting something here. But the one before where it was like the actual agent oh, dancing mm-hmm. in the house. It's like, come mm-hmm. on, man, this is about you, not about the product. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's something about this that I dislike less because of yeah. that. And then the other thing is, remember when Pokemon Go is so big and people were adding on like Squirtle and Pikachu mm-hmm. onto their yeah. listing? Oh, yeah. Yep. This is just another version of that. But to your point, uh, Jackie, the stars have aligned on this one. And it's a good case study just in terms of virality in general and how you can't predict. Because I'm sure this guy is not the first person to ever try something like this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, wait, I, I could jump in. Do you remember a couple of weeks back, I talked about that unique, yeah, house on fire? Uh, house on fire. I just looked it up. And just so everyone okay. knows, it is sold. Oh. Uh, it's less than two months. It was on there. The house on fire that, as the, they put in the description, the property was heavily there renovated. There's a <laughs> fire sale. That's so cool to see. I mean, a lot of these times, I think I go into the assumption when I see this, I'm like, oh, it's that's going to be on the market for like six months. But it's yep. pretty cool to see that less than two months that was sold. And the way that Seth Godin would talk about this is who really finds this type of thing interesting? Mm-hmm. In general, like this has gone viral beyond this initial group that I'm thinking of in my head. But originally it went viral among people who use Zillow. 
and like looking at listings and interesting things about listings. And so the way Seth talks about it is the otaku, the people who are obsessed with real estate and all things related to real estate were the first group to probably take this in mass and go viral there first. And then it's, it, it jumped to the mainstream. But mm-hmm. those people who really heavily care about real estate is, I think, yeah, it's just fascinating. You can break it apart further and further. But yeah, yeah, got- I to see how far those listings go. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I look forward, I'm not going to lie. I look forward to see what people come what up next? next with the upcoming, you know, I'll see turkeys, I'm sure, in random yeah. house pictures and Santa. And this house does not have air conditioning, which it's according to Zillow's big news story they're oh, pushing yeah. on social right now, and people would rather have AC than live close I, to family. So it's not looking good for this oh, house. I have a, so. I have a quick <laughs> update to a story. Oh, um, it wasn't even a story. It was, I think okay. I mentioned a while back, like Bill Gates has, there's a, a docuseries on Netflix. Has anyone started yeah. watching? Yeah, okay. yeah. I think yep, it's amazing. It's super, yeah. super cool and interesting to me. Definitely recommend it. So I'm just giving my thumbs up to go to go watch it. Yeah, it is good. It's just not necessarily so much about Bill Gates as much as it is even someone as smart as Bill Gates can't solve all the problems with quote mm-hmm. unquote all yeah, the money. Yeah, I guess it's more on mm-hmm. it's really like their foundation the focus. But I like how it bounces around. With no, like yeah. the structure of it is yeah, like my good. brain. Like it's like, oh, we're over here. Okay, now we're over here. This is good. Like the next <laughs> sentence is literally a whole different scene. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Nice pace. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And also in the Market Marketing Group is the an article that gave more insight into the caller's story about listing information, being more transparent on the commissions involved and the new law that went into effect in Washington State. So go check that out. In the Facebook group as well. You can also call in and leave voicemail with questions, comments on this week's episode or any other week at 404-369-2595. But right now, we're going to hop over to the news and kick off somewhat self-servingly by one of the two things that I was lucky enough to get to talk about with the group that people in, in our survey and feedback got a lot of value from. One is that we'll talk about today is is the five things that I talk about you getting return on investment from that even if you don't do it well, I know you're going to get something from it as opposed to things that are not on the wheel like radio and television. I can't directly track and measure to know what my ROI is. There's still elements uh, when we talk about Facebook advertising, for example, that in some ways are somewhat like radio, television and billboards, but we can at least track a whole lot more of what's happening along the way. So for full context here, we'll just start with what the wheel looks like from 2016 to 2018. And it's an order of at the time, 2016 to 2018, what I felt like were the things to start with or were worth the most amount of your time, energy, and funds to invest in. So Andrew, you want to just read off in order what they were, and then we'll spend more time talking about how it's changed, because I think that's more interesting. Yeah, yeah. So this is 2016, 2018. Number one was organic SEO, so Google organic. Number two, Google ads. Number three, social, Facebook. Number four, syndication or Zillow. Number five, content. Or Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then Jackie, because you have the best voice of all of us, you want to oh, like <laughs> we don't have to do full on drum roll, but just so the old number one was organic SEO, yes. new which, number one. The new number one is now content. So YouTube, which that's a big one. That's yeah, YouTube photos, everything around that that big word of content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
here's why, and this was, by the way, super scary for me to put out into the world, because even though it's what I truly believe, I was like, this is going to cause some people to look at me like I've legit lost my mind. Um, because how could SEO, you know, free clicks not be number one? I still have it on the top five list, but I put content one because my interactions over the last year, especially from people who I think are really good marketers overall, is their struggle still to get consistent content of different types and purposes out. Some of them have gotten really good at the basics, what I would say the foundational pieces of content of pictures of their inventory homes and a library of images to use for a floor plan page, community, streetscapes, some of that stuff. But I just realized that for the most part, people cannot DIY this and they need to be investing more money in either a bigger team, a different team, or true partnerships with someone who can help them create content that is needed. And so because we've so undervalued that, I feel like so many people are so far off of where they really should be, that it needs to be number one. And in terms of a return on your investment, it's the one thing that you don't have to continue to put energy into. Once that piece of content is made, you're going to repurpose it and use it in different ways for sure. But that initial investment continues to return because whatever platform you want to push it to, you just sent, you push it there. You don't have to recreate it necessarily. You might have to reformat it again, repurpose it, but it's there. It's, it's something you own forever and no one can take it away from you. And I feel like too, if the quality is there and it's done right, you don't have to keep redoing it either. So it's worth the investment, putting your money toward it. Yeah, exactly. And well, yeah, we'll leave it there. Let's move on to what, what was number two and what is number two now, Jax? Number two was AdWords. So now it is social. Which okay. I, that's a good one. Bumped up a spot. Yeah. yeah. Jumped over paid search. And that, again, is the mm -hmm. scary thing of paid search on the list. It's not number two anymore. And we talked a little bit about this in the live episode, so I'll try to be quick. But in the past, it was, hey, focus on paid search because we knew the intent of the user and so both from a lead standpoint, but also from just the overall quality of the traffic we're getting. If they type in new homes in X location and we show that to them, it's exactly what they were looking for. We're, we're being a good marketer in, in that sense of connecting them at the right context. But we talked about this a lot. It just continues to get better for Facebook and worse for Google in that the artificial intelligence does a much better job of targeting people before they actually type in those words. And for now, this was Steve's biggest question is when is Facebook advertising going to get more expensive when we were talking at the cocktail reception? And so far, it's not. It's actually gotten less expensive. But right now, uh, that's why it moves up a notch is it's just the best reach, the best frequency and the best targeting of any paid medium. And if you've got great content because you put content in number one, then you're going to potentially have viral moments like the Zillow list and we talked about on top of your paid paid search, paid social ads. Oh yeah. And then jumping in that like even like good photos versus great photos will make Facebook more efficient with like exactly. spend. you know, your yes. click rates will be higher. So Facebook likes that because your ad is performing better. They want a good experience for their users. So then you're yep. rewarded with lower cost. So it's all Yeah. And to make that more tangible, I think, because some people, what does that really mean? Like, it means that, that if you mean? have a not totally ugly, but not beautiful photo. The people who are the like they're obviously hunting for houses might still check that out. Whereas 
And that can potentially limit the AI over time if that's how it's learning. Is like I can only go after the people who are the furthest down the funnel, the most I'm certain of are looking at a house. Your campaign can lose overall results that it's driving because it's overly focused, whereas a better image could pull in a slightly wider audience of people who want to click on it simply because it's beautiful and give the AI an opportunity to learn more um, specifically how it could target a slightly bigger audience that can get you more results. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the next one. Number three. Number three used to be social, and now it is syndication. So Zillow. Yeah, and we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about it, but... But let's do this. Running social ads for Zillow listings is a home run right now. Um, so that's part of why I moved it up to number three. And that's <laughs> kind of all we're going to say about that for now. <laughs> but the other thing is, it's a little bit of this, it's not you, it's me thing when it comes to Zillow or New Home Source or any syndication site is marketers are in constantly complaining to us of, I don't know why the listing doesn't look right. The pictures are wrong, whatever. And it's like, okay, well, well, most of the time it's us screwing that up. So I'm not saying Zillow and BDX and New Home Source are perfect companies at all. But most of the time, it comes down to the builder not staying up on the standards that they want you to be sending in, not spending the time to really understand what XML even stands for or, or what it does. It's that one of those true. things that you hear me say this all the time. It's, it's not your problem, but it is your fault. And so you need to take more accountability. And most of the time when we see uh, Zillow or New Home Source not work for a builder, it is the builder's fault. The descriptions are terrible. The pictures are black and white drawings of an elevation. It's just, it looks like we're not really trying. Yeah, Beck and I were looking at one today where like the site was correct. Ooh. Uh -huh. Because she's like, hey, check this one out. And I'm like, yeah, let's take a look at it. And then you go to the Zillow listing. So site was correct. Zillow listing had the rendering. And that was it. I'm like, mm. I'm like that's not right. good. I'm like, is it built yet? And like, yeah, it's already me. done. I'm like, oh. Uh, again, mm. I'm not, I'm not playing, pointing blame in either case. What I'm saying is, as a marketer, you need to take full responsibility, even if you're not the one causing it. Maybe there is an actual issue. But trust me, Zillow doesn't want to show a black and white line drawing. No. <laughs> they don't want that to, to get to the customer the consumer in that way. And I, again, as an example, I heard Zillow's former CEO talk about this on television that, you know, people are Googling the word Zillow more often than the word real estate. And when you look in Google trends, that's not only true about the word real estate, but if you type in any other word like homes for sale, buy a house, any term like that, it's even greater the number of people who are just Googling Zillow to get to Zillow than Googling any of those other terms. So that's why it's moved up to number three. And again, I guess we shouldn't wait to number three to clarify this. Well, no, I'll wait until we get to number five to, to add some more clarity here. Let's talk about number four. So number four used to be syndication and now it is SEO. Yeah, so dropped three spots from number one to number four. And for me, that was because the main parts of SEO that we talk about a lot, right? The technical aspect, the on-page aspect, the local, and then there's content. On-page and technical are generally speaking short-term projects. You've got to fix issues that exist, but then you don't have to keep working on them. You need to check in and, and maintain. But in terms of the vast amount of energy and time and money, those are pretty much taken care of. Now, locals become a much bigger challenge for people. 
and something that a lot of builders still need to get their arms around. And that's what Andrew Garberson spoke to a little bit more at this year's summit. But that being said, once you take care of, of those three things, what's left is if you want your SEO to continue to really evolve, your content game has to be getting better. You know, you fix the foundational stuff and now you've got to be feeding the machine. And so again, you got to prioritize once you get those things fixed content over pure SEO work, in my opinion, right now. And then number five. So number five used to be content, which we know where that is now. And number five is Google ads. Yep. So all the way back to number five. And this they did it did start to freak people out. Even Andrew a little bit when we talked about it before. I I reframed this in my mind that we're spending more money on marketing overall. So really it's just it's just the way it it is. I don't know. (laughs) It's a well no and that that, but it's just number five now and the the other ones get more budget, which could be kind of true, like with, with all of it. Exactly. And that's the context that I was talking about wanting to add here is it doesn't mean that necessarily, even from a budget standpoint, it's gonna be the number five on what gets your money it's probably going to leapfrog SEO for most people that are listening in terms of how much, but when you add up time, focus and money, mm-hmm. that's Should where I think it, it doesn't need as much time and energy as it used to. Because if you use the analogy of, of mining, digging through a, a cave, looking for uh, diamonds or gold or whatever, like most of the gold is sitting at the entrance of the mine when it comes to Google ads. I agree. And you don't have to figure out how do I find that one obscure keyword that's going to get me another 10, 15 leads this month. There isn't it's one. It's just probably yeah. not going to happen and you're better off spending that money on social mm-hmm. or Zillow or somewhere else. Right. So it's, it's more about time and, and focus on paid search. It's still a piece of the mix and it's inherently expensive. Um, so it may be higher up in terms of just money than the other things on the list, but that's why I stuck it. I keep hunting for like a a big like aha moment with with AdWords and like, yeah. all right, this is what will drop the cost per click in half. Like we've had those with Facebook and I'm like they're just there just isn't one. Nope. Try not yet. Tried. We'll let you know when there is. Not Andrew, yeah. Well Andrew will, will let us all know because he's the ad doctor. Let you know if I find one. It's awesome. yep. been disappointed so far. Oh my gosh, that was just the first news item. <laughs> all right, here we go. Ready for number two. <laughs> or Thais, do you have any thoughts on, on, well, on those five? Well, it was interesting because when you were talking about how more people are Googling Zillow than real estate, it reminds me of what happened with Coke being like the word that people in the South anyway use for a soft drink. Like when you want mm-hmm. any soft yeah. drink, you say, do you have a Coke? And it's kind of, so it's, you know, that branding, yeah. remind, it just mm-hmm. reminds me of that, that type of situation. Yeah. And that's why the iBuyer mm-hmm. game and so many of these other innovations that are happening they're in a Facebook like position and that they can watch someone else like mm-hmm. an open door. They can watch someone innovate or do something different, identify that threat. And because of their brand mm-hmm. dominance, even though they're not first, they can still end up completely winning because of that. As long as the consumer sees Zillow and real estate uh, as synonymous, yeah. they've got a huge, a huge bully stick to win the market in terms of all these other tech platforms that are trying to, to reinvent real estate yeah, and, and how it works. To watch. Okay. The next one's headline is how to budget for your 2020 content marketing strategy. When I saw this one, I was like, hmm, well, if contest number one, maybe we should talk about this for a second (laughs) or at least give you some, some different viewpoints. And we don't always agree just because we put something up in a, in a news story, a hundred percent with what's there. But, uh, the other thing that, that stole my heart was I knew Andrew, you'd be happy that right off the bat, there is a (laughs) 
animated gif <laughs> of the office. <laughs> yes. That's my that's my favorite. I I mean, love that's it. our go-to. With the intro. What's that guy's name? You, you tell him what's happening it's, in the in the image here. Oh, it's it's Michael Scott. I think it's the the episode where there's the fire yes. or the fire alarm by the the fire training by Dwight. And he says, oh, my God. Okay, it's happening. It's happening. It's Everyone's happening. like trying to run out of the building. Yeah. All the doors are locked and they're just freaking out. <laughs> and so, so this is happening. Content is here. It's happening. Well, yeah, and also budgeting. Right? So the first line of the article is it's happening, people. It's Bad officially word. budgeting season. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Stress, chaos, the whole nine yards. It's a bad word. But then it goes on to basically say what you need to do from content marketing in particular, but budgeting as a whole. And, and these are pretty, pretty quickly broken down into, into their three steps of identify what your goals actually are. And, and content in particular, that's probably the, like people just don't even think about that. They're like, well, I just need to make more stuff, more stuff, more, more of more. (laughs) And you still have to have a strategic vision and a purpose. And are we successful or not? You know, the metric hopefully isn't, yes, we made 10 more videos this year than last year. It's what happened as a result of those being made. Mm-hmm. And they might not all be sales. Like you might not just get more sales. You might have better customer satisfaction. You might have a smoother selections process, right? There's all kinds of things, but thinking about what those goals will be is step number one. And when in the year you want, you know, when in the year you need to hit those goals too, because if you have a piece of content that aligns with a certain goal, but it takes a month, two months, three months to create that piece of content, all that needs to kind of go into the planning. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Step two is interesting in that it talks about picking your team. Now this is written by Influence and Company and they're a content marketing agency. So I love them. Makes sense. I love this website. Yeah, it's a great blog. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, it's the first time I discovered them. But so th- they're saying, hey, once you figure out your your budget and how much you're going to spend, you got to fit in the, what those goals are. You know, who's going to actually do it? Do we have that specialty in house? Do we need to find it from an external partner? What does that What does that look like? Yeah. And I think it is again a reality, and that's why I moved to number one. Is that a lot of you listening are not an Elena money? You can't just talk and have it sound like it's coming from an ABC sitcom, like the the tone and the rhythm and the unique, <laughs> you know, it just, it's not going to happen. So you've got to partner with someone who is creative about how they, they write, um, or shoot video or tell a story in general. You're just going to have to find that external partner. To not do only that. that content takes time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you're very busy and you have, you know, 10 things you're managing content can be, you know, it's a full-time role. So it takes time. And I think too, it's also being aware that if you're not, if this isn't your specialty, trusting someone else to do it. I think some people, I don't know if they take it to heart, if they can't do it themselves. I think some people just want to do it and Mm -hmm. that's not good. It doesn't work. But you you both hit on really great points there in that it takes time and it also you have to find those right people. And there's a limited amount of those people. We talked about that with Elena mm-hmm. on the live podcast of content creators are going to become more and more and more valuable over time. And so if you create that partnership earlier, you're going to be in a better, better spot. We, that's when we're talking about the streaming wars on the live episode. And the second thing of it takes time is your competition can't just suddenly realize, Oh my gosh, when we weren't paying attention, our competitor made a podcast with 15 episodes and has 20 new videos and they have great content in, in written word that they publish on a regular basis. They can't just say, 
okay, here's a million bucks. Go make that happen in a week. Let's catch up. Like it, it's just going to take time and yep. money, which is another reason why getting content appropriately put to number one and focused on is important. And a real world example is that of that is someone emailed me uh, this week and they said, hey, is there a photography company that you would recommend we partner with? And I said, honestly, I, I don't where they were geographically uh, in their entire footprint. I was like, I'm not sure who would be the best fit. So I emailed my friend, Jeff Turner, <laughs> and I said, hey, Jeff, you work with real estate agents and, and brokerages. Do you know anyone who does this? He came back with two, but I guarantee hmm. you, cool. if everyone wanted to know that answer and asked me, and now I, I know who, which two to recommend, at some point they're going to raise their prices with the next new person who signs up, or they're going to say, sorry, we're full or, you know, yeah. so there's going to be a rush on content providers that are worth partnering. And so you need to invest in, in weeding that out now. Mm -hmm. uh, number three, they said was choose your tools and technology. Um, uh, basically I think this, I, I'm going to massage this one a little bit beyond what they said of just tools and technology to, what type of content could you do internally? Or so if we're going to pick our team, pick our partners, is there some part of the content mix that you can do yourself or you feel comfortable doing yourself potentially is another thing to think about. And that kind of goes into, you know, is your tool grammarly because you need to make sure that your writing that you're going to be doing is, is it having a better camera, better audio setup? What, what is that? But I think that connects really closely with, are you going to be doing this yourself or, or with a partner? And I would add to step three, uh, pick your process. Or if you don't have a process for developing and approving and editing and iterating and publishing content, pick your, your process. Because you have mm -hmm. to have a process in place. It's like with CRM, you have to have a business process in first before your CRM can actually help you. <laughs> so have a process in place. Know who's doing what on the team. And that way your tools and technology can support you. Yeah. You know, my favorite part of that is I think you're very familiar with everything you just said there because <laughs> yes. you're, you're in charge of us as far as like making sure that we are staying on track and on pace for everything that Not you, surprisingly, since you spent the last yeah. several years doing mark, content marketing for Lasso, she is the queen of process <laughs> uh, here. Gotta have it. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. All right. Moving on to the next news story. I love this headline. And I love, I think, the back and forth we're going to have about some of the stuff here, too. The headline from yeah. HubSpot is, your sales tech is destroying your relationship with prospects. Here's what you can do about it. I mean, I love that's, that's speaking my mm. love language of, of humans over technology, even though I love it technology. It's a perfect yeah. piece of content for HubSpot. <laughs> but that's <laughs> right. what, As far as like, just thinking about content marketing, like this is for them. When I saw the this news article, it. it blew my mind when I saw that it was coming from HubSpot. And just to let you know my biases right out of the gate is, I'm like, wait, don't you push sales tech and automation as much as anyone? So I was just like doubly clickbaited into having to read this article. One, because I liked it. And they two, I was it. like, wait a minute, from HubSpot? Minute. Well, what's this going to look like? Yeah. So this one's long and we're not gonna be able to cover all the points it's worth uh, heading over to, but let's just, I made kind of a quick bullet list here in the show notes for us to talk around. And the first one is just, they said, basically, look, technology has put the consumer in control and how they quantified that is control in terms of getting all the information that they want. And they said, look, only 11% of buyers 
look to sales reps for product information. Now, here's what's, I think it's easy to look at this and to be dismissive and say, well, of course, no one trusts salespeople. No one wants to talk to a salesperson until whenever. But there is almost this implicit belief now, is what I'm reading into this, of the majority of consumers, and I find myself doing this too with my wife all the time. She'll say, why don't we just call? Why don't we ask the sales rep? I'm like, they don't know Ugh. anything more than we do. So that's just annoying, <laughs> right? And here's what's scary is in real estate, we've said for a long time that that's kind of true. Like our buyers know more than we do about most things. But I would, I would say that when it comes to specific product information, most salespeople still know in more specific detail, way more than is currently listed on your website about your product. Perfect example. What is the HOA for this community? Salespeople know that. Most, mm-hmm. most people do not put that online for the consumer to, to discover it. So if they're not comfortable talking to your salesperson, that's a problem. And so I think it was interesting that, that they kind of said, look, the problem, the reason sales tech is destroying a relationship isn't because you're spamming everybody. That's not kind of where they lit, led off. It was the technology of search engines and of social media and Amazon reviews and news articles and analyst reports all make even that impetus to reach out to make a human connection so much lower than it ever has been. I just thought that was, that was a cool way to lead into it. And I, mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Same here. Yep. Me too. Okay. Well, then that, that one's easy. Check. Easy one. We yeah, agree. Easy. <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't, I want to say it again. Like that's a big, big deal. When you say to yourself as a marketer or someone tells to you, we don't need to put that on the site. Literally, this is saying that 89% of people will never know that information. They're not going to go in and talk to your salesperson, the model. They may not even talk to your online salesperson about it. They're just going to say, well, I guess that's all I need to know then. And they're going to make potentially incorrect assumptions because of the lack of content that is on your site. I just, I want to say that and say that and say that because I, I believe it. And I think it's a huge problem that we've got. out there. And I think that supports the shift in the wheel as far as content's one. Like Mm -hmm. I think if people are far enough committed to like possibly building with XYZ builder, they will take the time and effort and energy to watch this series of videos, this audio podcast or whatever from the builder Mm -hmm. that you might think is like, this is way too much detail. Like no one wants this, but I think if it's there, then they will take it. Yep. Especially because you're appealing to more or less a niche group of people, people that are purposely going out there to search for that information or stumble upon it. So, yeah. And I think uh, the internal dialogue that a lot of builders have is, well, we can't put HOA information and home site dimensions and we can't put that much detail on our site because we can't even keep our pricing accurate. Like (laughs) none of you are laughing, but hopefully someone out there is laughing when I say that of builders struggle to keep even the basic stuff updated and current on their site because they've underinvested in the, the proper website backend or the partner or whatever. And so that's becomes overwhelming of, Oh my gosh, we are going to screw this up on an hourly basis. If we try to put that much out there, that's another content problem. It's not a podcast. It's not video. It's not photos. It is making sure that you can keep a breadth of information updated and current. It's probably them. finding also someone that has that time to be able to devote and putting all that information on there. You know, I feel like because so many people wear different hats, I mean, they could be prioritizing 
mm-hmm. what they want to put up, but you could, like you said, be missing out on key information people want or need. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to stick around here. We're going to keep moving, but I, you got me excited, Jackie, because this is, <laughs> this nice. is where AI and technology and investment in technology should be solving this problem by now. Right. Yeah. We have tools that we use that some of our partners have developed for, for us and for them. Uh, when we have mutual clients that make us more efficient. It's not, it's not full on AI, but it is a tool built for us that, that connects systems and information in a way that wasn't possible before. Why is there not something that like every builder has already in their contract system, what the dimensions are like, it's all that information is out there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Jeff Turner is talking to my brain saying, and that's what AI is for is go find it all, mm-hmm. package it and keep it updated for me mm-hmm. without the marketer having to worry about it. But instead we're spending all this time and energy focused on how do we spam more people faster with new tech? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. Now, Thais, you might have something to say about this one in particular. Then they go on to have, there's this portion of the article that basically says, look, the other problem is your salespeople are using the wrong CRM. And they give a couple of different reasons of if your CRM could do this, the problem would be solved. If your CRM did that, you'd be better off. And I saw this quote about a week ago from the general brokerage side of real estate. Someone said, CRM is a discipline, not a product. And that spoke to my soul. I was like, huh, they get it. Like, yeah, CRM, you don't have that organizational discipline to use it, whatever you have, getting a new one with some new feature isn't going to solve the problem either. Yeah, we used to say CRM is a journey, not a destination. It's, a, it's mm, the same type of thing. Beautiful. <laughs> that, it's yeah. so inviting. Both, that, both of those quotes so could go over a Visco image of <laughs> mountains or the beach or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's very true. Yep. It's There's some underlying discipline to getting the correct information in there, whether it's automated or manual, whatever it is, but using it, you know, it's CRM is garbage in, garbage out. So it's not a miracle worker. Yeah. I love this. And this I tell great. people a lot of Girl. times not to quote me to their boss or other people. Cause it's just, just, just Thais. You, you do, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, you can definitely quote me and you can, this is exactly how you should even do it. You should say, look, we don't have a leadership problem here at all in sales when it comes to CRM implementation. But Kevin Oakley said that a lot of times the reason CRM implementation fails is because sales leadership doesn't take it seriously enough on them. And then it just, it all, it all falls apart. You can quote me on that one for this, that clip of this section. Oh yeah. uh, And to say, look, I know you don't have this problem. We don't have this problem, but generally this is what screws it up. And, and that's, it's true. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sales managers who don't know how to log into the CRM themselves is probably number one or number two in terms of why this doesn't work. Yep. We need a yep. Instagram motivational quote with like your face, like on stage saying that <laughs> it's a fake quote, but we could pretend it's real. And then, then they could just tag their, their uh, manager yeah, in it. And exactly. then you will have to take over. I'm thinking of a oh, great man. TikTok right now that I can make too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But there were a couple of good pieces in that, in that they're saying, look, the parts about the CRM, being able to help you, it, there are th- kind of three things they said is perfect your timing, which they went on to say was basically make sure you're as fast as possible in response time or answering immediately. Make your messaging more personal. Makes sense. Okay. But if you're using heavy sales automation, we still haven't yet seen something that is truly personal, uh, except for something from like a Conversica or an AI powered, a truly AI powered um, system like that. Uh, and then connect with the customer on their terms. So 
while you may not offer everything immediately in terms of chat texting as options, as you continue to reach out and connect, you want to make sure you're offering any type of connection to them that they would prefer, including uh, video, screen share videos, all those were things listed in HubSpot. And the other thing I feel like I need to say is HubSpot is used a lot by B2B businesses where, so sometimes when you read stuff there, you're like, eh, I don't know. But so I, like, I don't know how many OSCs or salespeople are going to send a screen capture video of them filling out the contract or this is how we do this. It could, could be done, but all right. And then it talks about, what do you guys think about this quote? It says sales reps can hit their goals by increasing volume of outbound activities, but it's not the most efficient or constructive approach. Mm, I, love yep. that. I that was a really cool graphic that mm-hmm. I guess it's I guess it's not really that cool, but yeah, I like the what the graphic the is thing. saying is cool. Yeah. But, what the graphic is saying is cool because then I look at like, well, it's the next step after that. You have this person that converts much higher than you could add another person and not need as many right. leads. Sort of. Does that make sense? Am I make maybe I added on to <laughs> to the quote they had in there? I think that's kind of what they mean, but I I think what they're also saying, and Mike and Jen have talked about this for a long time, is some builders will say, well, should we have a separate person who does nothing but follow up with cold leads? And while you'll probably get something from that, that individual who's in that position is going to quickly be like, I don't like (laughs) my job or myself anymore. Because it's it's just going to wear on of calling a thousand mm-hmm. people to get two people to answer. Will that work? Yes. Is it something that I'm just going to say it? Is that something that a millennial or younger is going to ever enjoy doing? Probably you not. Know, are, are no. It's going to be easy to find that type of individual. I, I yeah, wouldn't think so. The other thing with technology that we rail against a lot here is it also has the ability to just annoy more of your customers faster. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, you got those two people who talk to you, but then you annoyed another 998. What does that ratio look like? And, and I think as marketers, we don't spend enough time letting sales know that over-communicating in the wrong way is not what we're talking about when we talk about following up. It's not about just being annoying or spamming. It's about saying always, we're available. Whenever you're available, we're here to help you. How can we help you? Not creating... 200 emails that go out in sequence mm-hmm. that just keep saying, you should really buy our product. Here's our number, calls today, stop by today. Well, that's when marketing oh, automation and a platform like HubSpot, especially for B2B, works really well because you know it's smart. So it will, if someone receives an email and clicks a certain link, you know they would then be served a series of emails or communications about that topic that they are now interested in. Mm-hmm. So it just brings them automatically further down into the into the funnel, which is a much more efficient way of saying top of mind than a salesperson calling. Yeah. So that salesperson can then and focus their efforts on those, you know, 10 people that are high warm or hot and need the personal touch. Okay. So I have a question for you, Thais, because I, I agree with you. And yet when I think about the decision-making process that a home buyer needs to go through in shopping for a house, I guess, again, it's not that I, like Andrew was talking about with Google ads, he keeps trying to find the new breakthrough, just hasn't found it. We keep trying to find ways for that to result in better customer experience, more appointments, and more sales. But at the end of the day, 
while a home purchase is an expensive one and people take a lot of time in that entire shopping process, I feel like way faster at a certain level, they have to, it's better off to connect with a real person. And the example would be, okay, someone wants a two-story house. We know that now because of the marketing automation, or we know they like community X. Like how much further do we need to go before... How many other ways can you break that down? How much more do we need to nurture them around that interested? So I'm talking about both sides of my mouth because one sense I'm saying make content, content, content. Mm -hmm. And so you could plug it into that marketing automation. On the other thing, I, I just keep thinking about, but 70% of the time we're not calling people back when they leave a voicemail. Well, yeah, that's the, that's, the base, that's the foundation that needs to be solid and fixed before, <laughs> before of anything else. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, HubSpot, you know, it's, you know, I'm familiar with HubSpot from a B2B perspective. So it, it's a little mm -hmm. bit different than from like a B2C. And I don't know, I mean, there's three people who use it for the B2C side. So I'm curious. Yeah. And, and again, I, I don't want to be so negative here. But what I'm saying is, again, if I know they like Happy Acres, the community, then the there's only so much further we can get emotionally before like, like once I'm emailing them an update of trash day for happy acres is on Thursday. <laughs> like there's only so much automation that I need to well, get to, I guess like these yeah. are the houses we build here are the floor plans. I just struggle with what is the, did you know about this about happy acres? Here's another, I can get on video and, and imagery and like come back and look at more and look at more. I guess it has to do, but at some point they either like happy acres and want to visit it or they don't. Yeah. And in my mind, it comes down to sort of two things. One would be volume, you know, lead, lead volume yep. and, you know, versus manpower. The other thing goes back to something that you said. I can't remember where you said it, but you know, to, to, <laughs> I can't to, to <laughs> but basically to create an effective marketing automation process and platform takes a lot of work. I mean, it takes a uh, yeah. lot of work and time and commitment, sometimes even bringing in outside resources versus is it more efficient? Is it quicker just to have a human call them? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it just depends on, you know, every situation yeah. is a little bit different. I yeah, got I something to add that I was okay. just thinking about. I think maybe it could be divided like you, it's initially divided into we made contact with that lead and we did not make contact with the lead. And then exactly. you have completely separate processes yeah um, that's what that's what we do contacted yeah, just like we yeah just like yeah. we do now and maybe this would be better suited if you're like on your lot builder there's a whole lot there's typically a lot more yeah. leads uh -huh. and there's a lot more that are not qualified they don't have no land. you're right on the money so, so maybe you have land or you don't have land that's an easy separator for on your lot yeah. and we know and a whole different contact, type of no nurturing contact. yeah exactly versus like a builder if it's like if you're not ready to i don't know i'm just the buying process is complicated, but it kind of the decision to like, we're either moving or not moving. I feel like is maybe I'm simplifying it, but like, no, feel like uh, that's, that's the same problem move, I keep like, coming back to is what is the top of the tree? The first decision or two makes total sense to me. And I think at the end of the day, we're all saying the same thing from a slightly different perspective of some mm -hmm. marketing automation is great and should be done. The level that most people try to take it to on our industry who do spend all that time, energy and money on it. You're kind of like you're overcomplicating something that doesn't need to be complicated here. Yeah. Of uh, the first, the first one, two, or three decisions could certainly create a different type of marketing automation uh, need. But beyond that, they need to emotionally be ready, and that's where other types of content, building trust, mm -hmm. and uh, showcasing testimonials of, of, I know you're scared to move forward, 
but we're the ones that you want to be talking to when, whenever you're ready to take that next step. And it, goes, yeah. and it all goes back to, we're not here to convince the unconvincible. It's not our role. I get conflicted on like, well, if it's a good piece of content, it's kind of, it's good for everybody who hasn't bought yet. Like, mm-hmm. like we're talking about before the podcast, how maybe 2,500 square feet is not equal. Like if there, you have a great floor plan that's 2,500 square feet and working yep. from home, living at home is amazing. And you have the same size and it's terrible. Well, that message, if you could talk about how floor plans is actually, that could get someone off the fence, but like, well, isn't that good for everybody? Like you don't want to like only have this small percent of the audience see that, especially if you say it was a video and it's really, it's done really well. And it features all these people that you want people to know within your organization. Like that should be seen by everyone somehow. We've talked to, and just even jumping over and comparing it to the emails, Kevin, we've talked about that before, the difference of honing in on the exact people compared to a a list of 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's differentiating what content goes to who instead of them all. And and so that's that's why I keep coming. I'm, I'm being torn into two here because on one hand, I say that's exactly what AI should be doing is it should be saying, hey, Jackie, I know you have a limited amount of time. So here's the people you should be calling. Yeah. I think that's absolutely what it should be doing. And that can happen. Again, it's really hard. It's way harder than people think it is. And it's way more expensive than anyone's going to tell you at the beginning. But it can be done. And then the other half of me says, yet the f- the pure fact that you need an AI to say, Jackie, these are the five you should right. call because I know you have limited time, says I need more Jackies. Yeah. Or I should stop spending so much to get so many leads that I have. And that's oh. what I think makes this so complex. It is complex. It's okay. Now, where are we? I think we're we're rounding home here on this article. (laughs) And then the last one here basically is talking about how we roll out technology as a whole. You know, most of the time it's hey, guys, hey, sales sales team, we've got a great, cool new tool for you. And then will you actually use it? Probably not. And in fact, this is a great quote. uh, And I I don't know where the the research is that they got this, but they said, in fact, six in 10 sales reps report. That when they find something that works for them, they stick to it. <laughs> and so <laughs> oh, that, that's-, that's pretty terrifying if you're thinking about implementing a new CRM or changing a pro- I mean, that's in a nutshell why even rolling out an online sales program is so hard for so many builders to do without help and support is six out of 10 just out of the gate are like, nope, this already works for me. And that's crazy. I'm, I'm not just passively resisting. I'm actively resisting this change. Does anyone have any stories on like getting people to adopt to actually using it? I feel like I remember someone said like, you want the commission or not? Like it has to be in, if it's not in there. <laughs> hasn't that, I, I swear I've heard that somewhere, but I said no, out loud. You have. Like, there there are like, people who do that. Absolutely. That's, that's one way to do it. I'm just like, well, that will do it. But that means you have management on board. Yeah. Which I was is say, like, it, comes, it comes down again, again to management and and having someone who's an advocate and someone who's going to be in there checking and making sure that, you know, things are being done correctly. And then you have management who's reinforcing it and then incentivizing. No, I was just going to say the follow through. I mean, that's as much as it is with the prospects. It's it's in with you too. It counts. Yep. The only time I saw this work was when Kathy, Maria, Angela, and Molly at the time, I think we're the the four sales leaders in in the company at Heartland. We said, look, you guys are going to use the CRM, just you, for 60 days. We're going to put you through the fast start. We're going to put you through the sales readiness test. We're going to, you have to do all this ahead of the full sales team doing it. And it works so well for so many reasons. One, 
they could look salespeople in the eye and say, you can do it because I did it. And yeah. also you had more people who could help when people had questions or were struggling. It wasn't just one point, per, point person or one resource library of videos. It was every leader was out there and understood enough about it to help everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's a culture shift. And I'll say this, when I was at Lasso, we interviewed one well-known online sales specialist, very successful in the field. I don't know if I can say her name. If It's Martha Clifford. Oh yeah, you can, you can always talk about Martha. <laughs> <laughs> but, so what she did is they were going through a culture shift within her organization and she was tasked with making sure that salespeople were using Lasso. And she also had a hand, I believe, in the hiring process. And basically, if like it was part of the hire process where they talked mm-hmm. about Lasso, the technology, they talked about CRM, what it means to the company, what it means to individual salespeople. And they basically had to, in the agreement, say, in the employment agreement, say, I will use Lasso, I will use wow. CRM. Wow. And cool. If they didn't use it, it was basically a strike, you know, against wow, yeah. what they agreed to do in their agreement. Yeah, and you can you can do that for new people coming in. And in that situation, at one point, not necessarily at the time in the story that you're referencing, they turned over the entire sales team. Exactly. Well, that's and, why it worked. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So the what what the story I'm talking about on my end was when you don't or can't afford to or just are trying to keep as many people on your team as possible. Uh, you got to have the leaders go first yes. uh, if you want to have any yeah, chance. If they're, not, if they're not bought in, I mean, I, I just think to myself, if, if who I was reporting to is not bought into something, I wouldn't care either. I think that would be hard to. Mm-hmm. So, yep, exactly right. Agree. Okay, we got two more articles. We're not touching them because time already <laughs> is beyond it. It's been but an hour or something. I will, yeah. We'll just talk about this. We'll post it in the Market Proof Marketing Facebook group. You know, Facebook did roll out new ad formats. We got the email about a week and a half ago from Emily, our favorite gal there at Facebook. We won't say her last name because you might be in the FBI too, Emily. We don't know. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's, I mean, she works for Facebook, so she's got a better chance of being targeted Right. Than, than anyone else. But there are some new ad formats. There's uh, quizzes, there's polls, there's a- the ability to have AR overlay in stuff if you have an app or a game, which by the way, I think we talked about this. Someone needs to, like Lennar, Pulte, NVR, someone with a ton of cash in, in their budget needs to create the I'm a home builder, like run your own community uh, I know. iOS like game. BA builder. Yes. That yeah, be- BA builder. Amazing. And have all these problems. Like, I don't like the pain. Like. <laughs> but there's also there's also an ad format that will let you basically play part of the game in the ad uh, without having to install yes. it. So they're, they're rolling all this new stuff. And basically, the, the reason we can cover this quickly is none of it's going to be a game changer. The, I, I see a lot of this, Andrew. I don't know what your take here is, is a way to try to go after more and more TV or other mediums ad dollars to say like, look, you can yep. you can have this cool quote unquote, cool looking thing. So you're not giving up this, you know, 30 second spot that you spent all this money on making it look amazing. You can kind of surprise and potentially delight the customer. That's, that's part of what I'm taking this as. I agree. And I think there's a uh, Google, I think there's a, they want to get Google. I had a call with a different Facebook rep Mm -hmm. today that was on their team. And she, I forgot the exact word she used, but I was talking about just like budgeting and, and Google and Facebook and all this stuff. And she's like, okay, so the share split. And she like said some word. I'm like, share split. I think that was what it was. <laughs> just, just like their off, off the cuff comment about Google versus Facebook spend. And I'm like, oh, well, that's 
She just yeah. said that, like, no big deal, but they definitely talk about it. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. could be a, let's get that YouTube money and he's going Facebook. Yep. I just think the only thing you got to be careful with on all this stuff is anything that tricks the consumer, not, not ideal. And there's yeah. ways that you could use these where something would happen that the consumer isn't necessarily expecting to happen. And just like we were talking about before of annoying the customer with a thousand phone calls, the same thing can happen when you're, when you're advertising as misleading. Um, What's that mm-hmm. trust? I mean, that was yeah. the yep. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly right. But we'll have, we'll talk more about that next time in, in more detail. We'll break it down, but that's, that's going to do it other than we probably should talk about the answers to last week's question of the week about the parade of homes. And then we'll let, yeah. we'll let you go. We'll let yeah. us go to enjoy the weekend. Let it, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> All right, Thais, you wrote the question of the week. Read well, it out for us. So it was, how do you work with other builders in your market to organize parades of homes and how much value do you see in them? Ooh, and right. we got quite a few good. diverse types of answers here. Yeah. Most mm. of the time organized by the HBA, not individual builders getting together. Mm-hmm. One commonality. And then I think the other commonality, maybe you guys can pick out some specifics, is just not really sure what we get other than some name recognition. Uh, a lot of looky lose, Amy Alexander said, yeah. looking for design stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that's a pretty common sentiment is, you know, hey, we, we do it to be part of the team of our local HBA Mm -hmm. and for some good optics as much as true sales or traffic results uh, of qualified buyers. Yeah. And and maybe Mm -hmm. if you're more custom, maybe you participate more. Oh yeah. That's a good point. I I know there's some comment that wasn't in here, but I remember talking with a few people about it. It's yeah. Then Steve. Amy's a custom builder. And also I think for custom builders who don't have as large of a marketing budget, when you're building a really impressive home with impressive finishes and features, like to not get as many people in your area to walk through that home yeah. would, would be wrong. Um, obviously, you need to document it and make all kinds of content around it. But then still, in today's world, if you have a limited budget, distribution is still a problem. So distribution is not a problem once you create a fan base, you get a tribe of people who are constantly following you. And it's not a problem if you have money to run Facebook and Instagram ads. It is a problem if you just have great content that no one can see because you just posted on Facebook and only 2% of your followers even see it. So I, I think you're right. Custom builders uh, yeah. probably can get more out of it. Yeah. Uh, look at these mitered corners. They're stuff. perfect. There's no caulk, everybody. <laughs> like, go look mm-hmm. at it. And I thought our last podcast guest, Steve, had a really interesting approach to how he paid for his parade of homes because it did not come out of the marketing budget. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. Good I mean, we didn't talk about this, but anytime you can get creative with saying, hmm, could someone else pay for this? Just leaves you more room for the other five things I talked about mm-hmm. that we know give you a return on your investment. Yeah. So that's yep. true. E- even that is its own art. Steve. I gave up a lot of things in my budget to hire people or, or bring people on the team. I would say I'll cut advertising, but you can also get creative because everyone else does the same thing. They're like, oh, surveys? That's totally marketing's cost. It's like, mm-hmm. what about customer service? Mm-hmm. And, in that department. No, no, no. It's marketing. Take it out of your budget. <laughs> so <laughs> we can do the same thing if we get creative. Cool. All right. Well, that'll do. that'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the like, and everywhere else we are online. 
And we got some awesome guests lined up. We got Quint Lears. We got some people from outside of the industry, kind of, but uh, it's got a couple of uh, awesome, awesome folks coming up. Excited to yeah. to have them on. Super excited. But yep. uh, we'll see yeah. you again next time. Have a great week. See you. Bye, everybody. Bye.